Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. Make sure you check out our link tree in the description of this episode where you can find the links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. Okay, today is Saturday, September 9th. Finally happened, guys. Joe Burrow finally got in, getting paid, as we all knew was going to happen. Did you guys expect him to be the highest paid so far? Or are you kind of surprised by the contract that he has? I mean, he's he's kind of gotten the Bengals to where they are now. He's revamped the whole franchise, got all the fan base excited again about the Bengals. What do you think about his contract? Do you think it's well-deserved? Or do you think uh, he needs to show a little bit more before he can uh, have this, this, this contract? I think Not it's definitely. well-deserved, yeah. I think it's a well-deserved contract for Burrow and the Bengals definitely had to overpay him. I still think that uh, I didn't think he was going to get the highest paid contract in NFL history, but for the way the quarterback market is and the way the way Burrow was playing and the way he he's playing for the Bengals, he definitely will get the highest paid contract in NFL history and a, and a quarterback. I'm not shocked by the results of Joe Burrow's contract. Not surprised at all. We've seen this happen, I think, four times this offseason. We've seen the richest contract in NFL history. It comes up every time a new quarterback needs to get extended. It was Lamar, then it was Hurts, then it was Herbert, and now it's Joe Burrow. You think about where this franchise was four years ago. There were people saying Joe Burrow should pull an Eli Manning or a John Elway and demand to be uh, not drafted by the Bengals because that was such a bad organization. And now we look at them as one of the most stable franchises in the sport. And Joe Burrow is a big reason why. Now we'll see long-term what this does as far as the money to sign T. Higgins, to keep Jamar Chase, all that kind of stuff. But if we're just talking, does he deserve the contract? There's no question about it. The first three or four years of his career have been as productive as any quarterback in recent memory. And the only reason he probably doesn't have a Super Bowl ring right now is because of Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the league. But Joe Burrow certainly deserves the deal. What do you guys think this means for Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all the other uh, you know big-time position players that they need to keep on to this team do you are they able to keep them or do you think they're able to like fit angle out the salary cap like i just don't want to see the pieces around him that got the Bengals as far as they are to kind of have to pay and maybe not be able to be kept next year because of this big contract it might be tough to keep them all the salary cap is expanding we know that but if they they could be 35 million or however how many ever many million over the cap by extending Jamar Chase and uh, and their top receivers. Yeah, Higgins is going to be the question mark. I don't think there's any question they're going to re-sign Jamar Chase because they go back to LSU with Burrow and Chase. If you look at T. Higgins, he could probably be a number one receiver at a lot of other places. So he may want that opportunity, might demand that kind of money. So we'll see what happens from that perspective. The Bengals have been a franchise that for years and years didn't spend a whole lot of money. They were called cheap. For most of their existence so we'll see if mike brown's kind of changed his thought process on that and i know people are saying oh i thought joe burrow was going to take a team friendly deal like it's not the quarterback's job it's not any player's job to take a team friendly deal it's the job of the team to make sure that they can re-sign the guys around them but i think chase is a definite that they're going to keep t higgins is a, is a little bit more open-ended yeah you think of all the ticket sales that have gone up over the past you know since he's been there you know three, four, you know, even two years, the last two years even had how many ticket sales have gone up. But uh, yeah, he's been immense for the franchise. Are you guys surprised? My last question on this topic, given that the Bengals and, you know, just the Cincinnati franchise in general have been kind of 
uh, frugal in the past, for lack of better words. They, they haven't really spent money. Uh, the, the owners really have not spent money in the past. Do you guys, are you surprised by that part of it? Do you, is this a kind of a good indication that the Bengals franchise is finally spending money? I mean, they just changed their name from Paul Brown Stadium, I believe it was, to, to Paycor. They finally got a sponsor for their stadium. Obviously, they just paid Joe Burrow this amazing contract. They're getting really good position players around their quarterback finally. And I think it's showing, uh, you know, like I said, the ticket prices have gone up. Season ticket holders have gone up. There's a wait list now. Uh, you know, it just kind of shows you that you have to pay, you have to spend money to make money in this league. And I think, you know, Joe Burrow is definitely just a, a good indication of this. And I'm, and I'm happy that the Bengals are finally starting to spend some money. Yeah, Let's, this has always been a question mark with them. And I definitely think that this is a sign of differing times. You know, the Bengals, as you said, were frugal for so many years. I, it's not because of this deal. This is a no brainer, but it's because of the other moves they've made. You're always going to pay the quarter. Let's head on now to the game that was happening when this news all came out. Uh, Lions coming away with a huge win against uh, the Chiefs last night. I want your initial knee-jerk reactions from this game, guys. Are you surprised by the Lions win? I'm actually not that surprised. Uh, uh, Tony, obviously, Kaderis Tony, dropping three major passes. We can get into him in a little bit in a second. Probably the major region, one of the major regions, uh, they, they lost this game. Um, but just what are your what are your thoughts overall, guys? Are your your first reactions from this game? Are you, I, what's this expected from you? Or are you just completely blown away that the Lions came away with the win? I expected it. Uh, Travis Kelsey being out with the hyperextended knee and Mahomes not having any weapons besides Kelsey, who obviously missed the game. I'm not shocked that the Lions won it, and I'm not shocked that the Lions won the first game and upset the Chiefs only by one point, twenty-one to twenty. But yeah, Kansas City should have won that game if Kadarius Tony can make catches and I'm, and Mahomes receivers. I just think uh, Detroit made a statement last night, and I think it's a good win for them to start the season. With all these players around the league getting investigated for throwing games, are we sure Kadarius Tony wasn't on the take last night with some of that stuff? But <laughs> no, he was <laughs> terrible. He couldn't catch a cold barefoot in Alaska in the middle of February. It was just his. If he wasn't out there, the Chiefs would have won this game because seven points were directly because of Kadarius Tony because he dropped the perfect pass, led to a pick six, and then he didn't catch a ball uh, when they were driving potentially to win the game on a field goal. I'm not going to overreact too much to this game because two of the top three players on the Chiefs roster did not play in this game. That's Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones on the defensive side of the ball. I thought the Chiefs' defense was actually pretty good for mm -hmm. the most part. The Lions were able to move the ball and ultimately win the game in the fourth quarter. But I'm not going to panic if I'm a Chiefs fan at all. And as far as the Lions are concerned, yeah, they look pretty good. You know, Jared Goff had a solid, if unspectacular, game. David Montgomery was good. Jameer Gibbs, I think, should get the ball a little bit more. You're not spending the number 12 pick on a role player, but that's the way they played him last night. I think the Lions are good. I'm not ready to say the Lions are Super Bowl contenders yet because I need to see it on a more consistent basis. So I'm not going to take much away from last night other than it's great to have football back. And obviously it was a statement that the Lions made that, you know, we actually might enjoy watching them, not to have to suffer on Thanksgiving like we usually do. But I, if you're a Chiefs fan, I am not going to panic. You still have Patrick Mahomes. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, there's already headlines coming out now. You can see them with people saying that, Patrick Mahomes can't win without Travis Kelsey, which I I think he needs Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to say they can't win without Tra Travis Kelsey. I will say I think if Travis Kelsey did play last night, uh, the Chiefs probably would have won this game. I mean, they really yeah. 
like I said, I my I'm blaming this whole game on Contreras Tony. They lost this game because of him. Like I said, three drops that these three drops are like you said, Zach, really really bad drops. What going right through his hands? One of those drops led to a pick six, bounced right off his chest. You know, missed his hands, bounced right off his chest, led to a pick six. That ended up tying the game at 14. Huge momentum for the Lions, and that really ended up giving the Lions the you know, like I said, momentum they needed to kind of go on and uh, win this game. So I do blame this game on Kadarius Tony. I do wonder, especially, you know, later in the game, uh, after Kadarius Tony started to have confidence issues uh, with the game he was having, if Travis Kelsey was around, I still think they would have won this game. And I'm yeah. interested, I'm, you know, it's going to be fun to see how the Chiefs bounce back and how the media kind of portrays this. Are they going to, you know, what are they going to say about the Chiefs? I, I still think the Chiefs are going to be betting, betting favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. This is just one game. and It's also the home opener against, uh, an opponent they don't see all too often so yeah we'll, we'll see what happens and uh like you said zach football is finally back and we're all just happy that 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 is the case let's um we talked about holdouts a little bit uh jones obviously on the chiefs holding out um what other major holdouts do we have going on i know uh jonathan we taylor had Bosa, but he just got mm-hmm. signed yeah yeah, Bolsa just got signed by the 49ers. That's huge. They need him. Yeah. Um, obviously, their 49ers are a huge question mark with their quarterback play this year. We don't even you know. We don't know if they, that was a fluke last year with uh, Brock Purdy, and we don't know how he's going to really come out next year. So having somebody on, you know, that on the defensive end that's going to help them like that's a big, big um, plus for them. What other? I mean, Jonathan Taylor still holding out. On the Indianapolis Colts, I haven't heard. Any, have you heard anything, Zach, Justin, about the latest updates on Jonathan Taylor? I think he's still holding. I know this. Uh, well, he's Eagles out actually. the first four games. He's on the pup list, so we can't yeah, right. play the he's first the four. Mm-hmm. Injury report. So yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I don't really have much else to say about the holdouts. Uh, we'll just kind of see what happens. I am happy that Bolsa got signed. Uh, I think, I think they. Um, Hundred twenty-two guaranteed. Really? Well, most ever guaranteed. for a defensive player. Insane, That's- but deserving how does that affect jones do you think going forward with the chiefs i mean obviously he's going to expect he's going to expect close to that if not more then he's not going to get that they're two different they're two different players mm -hmm. because nick bose is an edge rusher and chris jones is a defensive tackle so you know it's not exactly the same thing but chris jones should get paid I, i don't think anybody would tell you otherwise yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs are, are being paid. That's for sure. Defensive tackles are being paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs have shown a lot of discipline in the recent contract negotiations with many other star players. Uh, you know, they reach a point, you know, when they won't budge anymore. Uh, I mean, for example, this happened with Tyreek Hill uh, a couple years ago when he was really holding out for his contract. Chiefs are very stubborn. Chiefs are very uh, adamant on what they can pay, and they they really don't go over that much. And they, like I said, Tyreek Hill was a good example a couple of years ago. Uh, Chris Jones base salary of 19 and a half million. Uh, each game missed for Jones is about 1.15 million. So definitely not a, not a, not a penny there. Yeah. Uh, a bold move by him not holding out, not playing the game, but you could go watch the game in the sweep. Yeah. Well, most of the time when you hold out, you're nowhere near the team because you're mad because they're not paying you. So you're not even showing up at the facility, the stadium, nothing. He's up there in the owner's box. Hey, I mean, it was not even like it was cold weather, you know, it's no. September middle. I mean, it was like 60, you know, high 60s last night at the game. Beautiful weather. I don't even know what the point I would rather be outside than even inside at that point. But yeah, hinted at that 
he will come back for week eight if there is no uh, deal that reached. Uh, I don't know when exactly he said this, but I think it was like last week at some point. He did he did hint at the fact that he will come mm-hmm. back at week eight if uh, there is no deal that is signed. But let's move on to the other side of football. College football uh, started last week. So we had week one last week. Uh, obviously, biggest news. Colorado beats TCU uh, at TCU. Um, big big win for Deion Sanders. I think we can start there. Yeah. Uh, I know we talked about I know we talked about this with uh, Brian Chable a couple weeks ago about Colorado and the Big Twelve in general. I think uh, if I remember, Brian said that he didn't expect uh, Colorado to beat TCU. But I want to get your guys' thoughts. Are you surprised by this, or is this really not that big of a surprise that Deion Sanders was able to come out and uh, get this victory in Fort Worth? I am shocked. They were 21-point underdogs. I think everybody's surprised that they won this game. Like They completely transformed the roster, 68 new players, 51 of them being freshmen, or transfers, I guess, 17 freshmen. Uh, But Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, these guys are just spectacular. Shadur Sanders threw for 510 yards. Travis Hunter played 129, 130 plays, and he's got enough energy to dance in the locker room after the game, and it's not just the fact that he played 130 plays. He was the best receiver in the game, and he was the best cornerback in the game. Like, that's unbelievable. And Shadur Sanders had a big day. They ran the football effectively. Dylan Edwards had four touchdowns. To be able to go on the road and score 45 points against the team that played in the national title game last year. Now, I don't think TCU is going to be all that good this year, but you talk about a huge statement. Deion Sanders has the world on notice. You know, he said, I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie. Well, it would look pretty Louie-ish in that opening game. That was a spectacular statement that Colorado made. And they showed, I think, I don't think they're ready to win the big, the Pac-12 or really compete for it, but they might be the most fun team to watch all season. Yeah, so dear Sanders, uh, re- school record 5'10", uh, 510 yep. yards, four touchdowns. Uh, take it for what you want, but uh, his Heisman chances jumped from plus 250, or plus 2,500, excuse me, to plus 2,200. Um, you know, like I said, great game. You mentioned Travis Hunter. Uh, one interception on the defensive side, but 11 catches, 119 yards. He came up with Sanders, uh, you know, both the coach yep. and the player and the, and the son, the quarterback, uh, from FS. FSU, Jackson State. Um, so, you know, that great great game for them. Uh, obviously, big, big blowout, and I'm happy to see Colorado gain some hype. What about, let's go to Clemson now. Clemson loses to Duke uh, in their season opener, 28-7. to Is this the um, end of Clemson's era with uh, with Dabo? What do you guys think about this? Do you think they have any chance of, you know, coming back? Maybe not this year, but even in the future, especially as the ACC begins to kind of um, rebuild here and kind of restructure? I don't think it's the end of the run, but I think it's pretty close to the end of the run. We've seen this the last couple of years. Their offense has not been great. Everybody blamed it on DJ Uyugule, but the fact of the matter is the wide receiver room is awful. The offensive line room is awful, and Dabo is unwilling to adapt to the modern era of college football, which requires you to be active in NIL and active in the transfer portal. He's making statements like, we live in God's name, image, and likeness, and my transfer portal's in the locker room. Well, that shows a coach that's unwilling to adapt. He still wants to be in an era where players aren't getting paid, where the coach has all the control. And you just saw it with Florida State, what they did against LSU. They went out and got Keon Coleman. They went out and got Central Fiper, or uh, Central Cypress, the cornerback, excuse me. And they went out and got some guys. And Clemson has these weaknesses that everybody could see these last couple of years. 
They don't adapt at all. They don't go out to the transfer portal. And then Dabo acts surprised that there's still weaknesses. So it's one thing to lose to Notre Dame or South Carolina or some of these other talented teams. It's another thing to lose by three touchdowns on the road at Duke in a game that they fumbled the ball three times inside the red zone. It's not the end of the run, but I don't think Clemson is the ACC favorite anymore. Well, Clemson hasn't been threats in college football since Trevor Lawrence. I mean, let's be honest. Right. And, you know, they even talked about join, joining the SEC. And that's, you know, you, you have a game like this against Duke. That's that's only going to, you know, hinder your chances of ever that happening. <laughs> and they got to take care of – if you can't lose to Duke by, you know, what was it? Whatever that be, like four touchdowns? Yeah, so you – you know, that's not if they really want to even continue talks about joining the SEC, they can't have a miserable performance like that. They're gonna to have to take care of business, beat a school like Duke. I uh, know, fine. By fine. the way, yeah, let's give Duke a little credit. They won nine games last year. Mike Elko's a very good coach. Riley Leonard's a good quarterback. They didn't look everybody thinks they're terrible because it's Duke and everybody associates Duke football with beating being mediocre. This team's actually good. Yeah, no, and definitely it is. And you know. This is at the same time ACC teams continue to get better too. You know, you look at FSU, obviously UNC's no team to joke at. Uh, Paul Feinbaum kind of came on earlier this week, you know, talking about the Clemson program and saying that they've been teetering for a long time. And what happened last night is simply unexplainable. Um, they, they didn't lose to a Florida State or a Notre Dame or an Alabama or a Georgia. They lost to Duke, which is a very good quarterback uh, program. Um, but yeah, Paul Feinbaum was pretty much lost for words when Clemson lost, and kind of like you said, Zach, it's, it's it is really surprising that they they would lose to a game, to, you know, to a team like Duke, and it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from from this game and see what they can do next week. But let's move on to, uh, to next week, to week two in college football game of the week. We have Texas uh, against Alabama. This is uh this is going to be a huge game for Texas. That's kind of an understatement. This is their proving grounds right now. If, if Texas yep. really belongs to be in the conversation of the college football playoffs, they're going to need to be at least competitive with Bama. Uh, what do you think, Zach? What, what, what are your opinions on this game? Uh, do you, what do you, do you have like any kind of score? Like, do you think they, you know, get, can get within a touchdown of Alabama or do you think Alabama has a chance to kind of make this an ugly game, especially with the disrespect that Nick Saban has been getting recently? I'm going bold prediction. Texas is going to win this game. They should have won the game last year. Uh, Quinn Ewers got hurt. They had a couple bad calls go against them, and it still came down to a last-second field goal. And Texas now is a better team than they were a year ago. And I don't know that Alabama's a better team than they were a year ago because they had Bryce Young last year. They had Jameer Gibbs last year. And Jalen Milrow, yes, he looked great against Middle Tennessee State, but it's Middle Tennessee State. We don't really know what he can do as a passer. The last time we saw him in a big game, was last year against Texas A&M when he turned the ball over four times. So you certainly can't do that and expect to compete against Texas. Xavier Worthy, I think, is one of the best receivers in the country. I think the Longhorn defense can contain Alabama's running game. I do have some questions about uh, the defensive line for Alabama. Can they get constant pressure on Quinn Ewer? So I'm, you know what? Steve Sarkeesian, if you've ever needed to win a big game or you have an opportunity to win a big game and make a statement, it, this is your time to do it. So I'm going to go with Texas on the road to win this game 27-24. to 24. Yeah, and it was a, like you said, Zach. It was a good game last year. Uh, it was pretty much, uh, you know, neck and neck until um, Ewers, you know, got hurt at that point last season. Or, you know, last, you know, last season when they played, he completed nine of twelve of his passes for 134 yards. Uh, he did end up going down with that shoulder injury, of course. But uh, Ewers played well last week against Rice. Uh, first game, obviously, 
260 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, Urus has been, he's been talented in the, the Texas QB. He's been talented as one of the biggest QBs um, coming up this year. His Heisman hopes and draft stock are pending on his success against Bama though this game. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's kind of weird to have such a big game riding on only the second week of the season. But this could actually be, and probably is, his biggest game of the year. Maybe even bigger than, you know, what he... What do you... I want to get your thoughts on that, Zach. Like, say he wins this game. Yeah. But, you know, they still don't make the college football playoffs. Do you think that still helps his draft stock and his Heisman chances? What what are your thoughts on that? How big is this game, Uh, in your opinion, to Ewers? Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to win the Heisman if he doesn't make the playoff. I know Caleb Williams did it last year, but none of the playoff teams really had a obvious candidate last year. So... I don't know if he can win the Heisman. As far as his draft status is concerned, you're absolutely right. Quinn Ewers last year in the Alabama game was surgical. He looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but we just didn't see it consistently enough. And we saw him struggle against TCU. We saw him struggle against Kansas State. You know, he had a couple of games that he didn't play all that well. And so this is kind of, this needs to be his statement game, his kind of prove it, welcome to college football, welcome to the world kind of game because he was one of the highest recruited quarterbacks of all time and so far we've seen flashes we just have not seen him put it together uh, as far as the NFL draft's concerned I think it's too early to be talking about where he ranks as a prospect but if he goes out and dominates against Alabama then uh, yeah we're certainly going to be having that conversation next week yeah Alabama success will be contingent on uh, Jalen Milrose uh, Milrose threw for 194 yards uh, last last week three touchdowns led the tide with 48 yards rushing and um yeah two more scores uh, last week against middle tennessee so that you know that's um it's going to be really be dominated dominated by how he plays next week and if alabama has any success they're going to need to have their quarterback come out and really showcase and prove the, you know the starting job virtually i mean nick saban has been pretty adamant this year so far that he hasn't really settled on a starting quarterback for the tide no. And so this is you know, not only is this a big game for Alabama and Nick Saban, but this is a huge game for for Jalen Milrose to kind of uh, make uh, you know make that starting job uh, for the Tide. Not and we do last... know one thing about Nick Saban: if he if your quarterback's struggling, he won't hesitate to pull you. Just ask Jalen Hurts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. My only other uh, notes from college football is again, it's coming up this week. Uh, Tulane plays against Ole Miss. True statement game. Um, Absolutely. Uh, a big, big time statement game for Tulane. Tulane could be the next Cincinnati. I mean, we look at Cincinnati last year. They kind of had that Cinderella Cinderella run where they, you know, you know, had the season that they did. We all know how they how they played last year. Is Tulane the next Cincinnati, Zach? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? How do you think of uh, Tulane making I, kind of a run this year? I think they could be. I think they mm-hmm. could be. Michael Pratt's a returning quarterback. You look at what Tulane did last year. They won the Cotton Bowl against USC. So they're kind of in the range that Cincinnati was. Remember, Cincinnati made the playoff in 2021 partially because they had a lot of credit built up from 2020 when they went undefeated and pushed Georgia and lost by a field goal. So people had already had a little bit of respect for Cincinnati, and they beat Notre Dame out of conference. This is a huge opportunity for Tulane at home against an SEC opponent in Ole Miss with Jackson Dart, Lane Kiffin, a lot of good talent there. I think I think Tulane wins this game at home. I've got uh, issues with Ole Miss's defense, and the, the quarterback advantage, I think, belongs to Tulane. So I'm going to continue to ride the green wave. And if they win this game, they're probably going to be favored in at least 
10 of the remaining or nine of the remaining 10 games they play. Uh, Cincinnati's kind of a question mark. It, it, or, no, they're not playing. Yeah, Cincinnati's in the Big 12. Uh, mm. But they should be good to go in the American this year. I think Tulane, if they win this game, they're going to be on, on a stage. I don't know if they're going to have enough good opponents to make the playoff, but they will be talked about a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at last year, they beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I know yep. that was kind of at that point, obviously it's a bowl game and there might be some rest people resting and things like that. But if they can beat USC last year and then they can, like you said, Zach, pull away some really good victories against some good SEC teams this year, do you think they have a chance to make the playoffs, football playoffs? Um, playoffs? Maybe? I don't know about that. I think they're going to, they would need multiple conferences to have two lost conference champs. They would have to run the table. I mean, they obviously would have to be undefeated. Sure. There would be no, obviously that's an understatement, but yeah, there would be no chances of them getting on without being undefeated. Keep an eye on Colorado, Nebraska as well this week. I want to see if Dion can get them back down to earth because it's one thing you you win a big game, and this is a team that won one game last year. Everybody told was talking to them, probably telling them how how bad they were. Well, this week everybody's telling them how great they are, and you know you're ready to compete for a Pac-12 title. They're the talk of the college football world. And Nebraska's had two extra days to get ready for that game. They're going to walk in salty, so don't be surprised. I'm not. I think Colorado's going to win. But don't be surprised if it's a little lower scoring than we think. And don't be surprised if Nebraska actually wins this game. But I think we're going to learn as much about Deion Sanders and his coaching abilities this week as we did last week. Yeah, we'll, we'll all see this week coming up in week two of college football. Moving on to basketball now. USA is out of the FIBA World Championships. Lost today, 113 to 111 to Germany. Uh, semifinals. Obviously, this, this was the semifinals today, and uh, USA is now out of the FIBA World Championships. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Pretty disappointing. Uh, they were obviously the betting favorites going into the tournament to win it all. Uh, I think a lot of people were not expecting Germany to be much of a problem for USA, but today it turns out that they were. What are your initial reactions on all this? Very disappointing for Team USA. I thought they would be one of the probably the best team in the tournament, but they lose in the semifinals to Germany. It's a, yeah. it's, it's shocking. It's a shocking upset yeah. for the in the USA. Uh, defense, biggest problem for USA today. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole tournament, but uh, today specifically, they uh, allowed Germany to shoot 58% from the field and 43% from the three-point line. Uh, they only had 12 offensive boards, or I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, 12 offensive boards crushed the USA in second chance points. So, you know, Germany, you know, with the offensive boards, outscored USA 25 to 8. Um, USA couldn't stop France Wagner. Uh, he finished with 22 points, five rebounds, and two assists. Um, yeah, just a bad showing from USA altogether. Uh, Germany will now face Canada, or no, excuse me, excuse me, USA will now face Canada in the bronze medal game. We talked about it a couple shows ago. Canada's definitely no team to, uh, you know, look away from. Uh, they definitely have some stars on that team as well. I actually picked Canada to win the whole thing. Uh, you know, like I said a couple couple weeks ago when we did our FIBA uh, preview, uh, they have you know they have a lot of Jamal Williams, of course, is the star player on that team, and they have other talent as well. And uh, Canada is not going to be a uh, an easy out, and if they can't even get bronze at, in the FIBA championships. It's going to be a really big disappointment for for USA. Let's head on to golf now. Uh, Ryder Cup teams announced. We can kind of breeze through this a little bit. What are, any uh, Zach? Any initial reactions on the Ryder Cup picks? Uh, 
obviously the Ryder Cup isn't happening until October. Uh, like I said, we can we can kind of much breeze through this. It doesn't actually start until September 29th. Actually, end of end of September is when it starts. But uh, yeah, what are any initial reactions on the, on these uh, captain picks and then the rest of the team as well? Yeah, no real surprises except the one thing I would change is Justin Thomas. He's not played well at all this year, and I realize it's a two year thing, and he did help win the uh, he did win the PJ Championship last year, but. In his major starts this year, they've just been awful, and he's not playing particularly good golf. And they left him or they kept him on the team instead of getting a guy like Keegan Bradley, who won a couple of tournaments this year and has been consistently in the top ten, top fifteen. Uh, actually, played in the final event, which Justin Thomas was not able to do because only the top thirty get to do that. Outside of that, nothing really stands out. Of course, uh, Brooks Kepka, the first live guy to play. In the Ryder Cup, no surprise. I mean, he won the the U.S. Open or won the PGA this year. It would have been a bigger story if he had not been selected to the team. But other than that, I think it's pretty straightforward. But this team, the top six, are in their way on there, and I think America's going to go in there as favorites. Not as big favorites as they were a couple years ago, but they're still favorites. I think to win the Ryder Cup again. Yeah, it's going to be held. Obviously, it's not held in America this year. It's held. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they haven't won in uh, Europe. Europe since 1991, I believe it is. It's a long, yeah. been a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's why, like I said, uh, you know, I'm a big stats guy. I, I, I believe a lot in uh, stats. I know obviously records are meant to be broken, but obviously it's not held in America this year. It's held in Europe. It's going to be held at the Marco Simon Golf and Country Club and Marty Carlo of Gudonia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but Gudonia Monte Carlo. Uh, just, I'm going to name the USA team just for reference. And I'll name, you know, the big names on the, on the European team, team USA, Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley, Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler, Brian Hartman, Max Homa, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas. And then obviously on team Europe, we have the big names such as McElroy, John Ram, Justin Rose, uh, Shane Lowry, uh, if you want to call him a big name, and then I think Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick would be the, the the last one rounding out as far as the big names go. But yeah, we'll see. Like you said, long time coming for the American team to win overseas, and this might be the year to do it. They definitely have the better lineup, and we'll, we'll see if they can get it done. We'll finish up again, kind of like rapid-fire style. Uh, U.S. Open happening right now in tennis. Uh, game going on right now, actually. Do- uh, Djokovic is playing the American Shelton. Uh, what is it right now? Let me open that up. It's just won the first two sets, six three, six two. Okay, so Djokovic most likely will handle business against the American. No American uh, this time coming into the uh, the finals. I don't. I got to look up when the last time an American won the U.S. Open. I know that. Andy Roddick, two thousand three. Three. That's right, two thousand three. Yeah. There were three Americans that made it to the quarterfinals. I know that was the first time since two thousand five. But yeah, no, this time, most likely speaking, unless Shelton can have a really, really big comeback against the best player in the world, won't be any Americans in this final either. Uh, Mendeveb and Carlos Alcaraz will play tonight at 7 for the final. Um, do you guys think this is pretty much Djokovic's uh, major? I know he. it'll be interesting to see Djokovic and Alcaraz face off again. Obviously, that was a, it's going to be a repeat and a rematch of the Wimbledon final. Do you guys think it's going to be a different, uh, different outcome if they if they do end up playing each other uh, this time? I don't think it's a lock fight. 
don't think it's a lock by any means because Djokovic lost to Medvedev in the U.S. Open final in 21 and then, of course, lost the Wimbledon final to Alcaraz. And right now, Carlos Alcaraz is the number one player in the world, albeit Djokovic did beat him on the hard court in Cincinnati uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I think Djokovic is probably going to win. I think he's still thinking about that Wimbledon loss and the opportunity at the slam this year. And if he wins this, he'll tie Margaret Court's record of all-time majors by any tennis player with 24. He, he He's playing just incredible tennis right now. Yes, he had a slip up a couple weeks or last week. He lost the first two sets and then won the next three, which everybody knew was going to happen. He's playing the best tennis of anybody in America or in the world, and he's the best tennis player of all time. I think he's going to win, but I would not be surprised if Alcaraz gets him again. Then we have to have a conversation about, okay, Djokovic is the GOAT, but is Alcaraz the best player now? Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think a lot of people still think Djokovic, but Djokovic is not young either, and he's up in age, and Alcaraz is much, much younger, and it, this is a big statement game for Djokovic. You know, of course, if they do play each other, we're still speculating Djokovic hasn't even won his match yet, most likely will, and Alcaraz still has to win his match tonight against a really good Mendevev, but... Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a um, a big storyline game, and I love the U.S. Open much more than Wimbledon, obviously, because the games aren't happening in the morning; they're happening on prime time at night. It's going to be a great thing to watch, and it's you know I love rematches, and so does all of America as well. Women's side, Coco Golf, uh, Sabalenka, they play each other in the final for the women's side. Uh, golf, uh, Coco Golf actually leads the head-to-head series against Sabalenka, three to two. Uh, the last meeting between the two of them came in the quarterfinals of the BMP Paribas Open in Indian Wells. Um, yeah, with um, excuse me, with Sabalenka winning six four six zero in straight sets. Um, golf, all rooting for her. Obviously, the American, and we'll see what happens. I think that game is Sunday, no Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Am I, it is. I thought so because a woman play on Saturday and then men play on Sunday. But mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. We'll see what happens. And uh, all rooting for Coco Golf in that in that game. Best of luck to her. All right. Let's do writer's block now. Uh, Zach, who, what is your writer's block of the week? Writer's block of the week. <laughs> basically any sort of clickbait, all this, like, best bets and everything. And then they get hidden by a, behind a paywall. Like, I don't want to have to pay to look for good analysis these days. And I know the athletic, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people do a really good job. But – I'm not spending $9.99 a month just to read what I can probably find somewhere else. So if you're going to say you're going to keep everything behind a paywall, outright say it. Don't make me click on it and then, oh, to continue reading this, have a, you got to have a subscription or this is premium content. Like, just give me what I'm asking for, which is solid journalism. Let me read what I want to read and don't make me pay to do it. Come on, guys. Do better. Yeah. <laughs> it's um definitely... Uh... I, I totally agree with you on that. My writer's block that of the week. Websites uh, and newspapers got to do better than that. They do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my writer's block of the week, uh, TCU linebacker. Uh, I believe his name is Hodges. I, I don't know. I forget his last name, but he came out saying that TCU was the laughing stock of college football. Um, it's funny. I wasn't going to say this, but now the more I think of it, I'm actually leaning more towards him. As I was doing more research into making this my writer's block of the week, I forgot that they actually did. Well, I didn't forget, but I got reminded the fact that they lost to Georgia last year uh, by 60. <laughs> so that's uh, they definitely are on their way to not. I don't want to say a laughing stock 
Obviously, they lost to Colorado last week when they were expected to win by over 21. And then, they, like I said, last year in the, in the championship game, they lost to Georgia by 60. But end of the day, Georgia, best team in college football right now. That's not even, argu- that's not even arguable. And uh, Colorado, Colorado came out and played an amazing game. Don't think they're the laughing stock per se, but they're definitely on their way to becoming the laughing stock of college football if they can't right the ship and um, you know get get some good good quality wins under their belt and at least finish the season you know a, a ranked team. Justin, do you have a writer's block of the week? My writer's block of the week is the New York Post. Even mm-hmm. though the New York Post doesn't have the nine ninety nine you know pay to read articles on the internet, they do not have a good writer's block when it comes to sports and and the rest of it. They should be like the New York Times and just dump everybody in the sports department or even put everybody in the news department or pop culture department, whatever they want to do. I don't think the New York Post is that good of a sports analysis of a newspaper. They try and mix it with too much gossip and too much clickbait information. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I've actually had the same thought before in the past as, as well. So <laughs> um, moving on now, we're going to have a great interview. Um, great, great interview this week with Otis Livingston uh, talking about the New York Jets. Uh, he gave us some great insight into their season coming up, what they've done in the offseason, what he thinks their record is going to be this year with Aaron Rodgers leading the helm. How is Aaron Rodgers going to do? Is he going to be able to tolerate the New York media? We get into all that. Get great interview with him uh, right now. And um, yeah, without uh, any more hesitation or if you guys don't have anything else to say, we're going to go right ahead to New York City and uh, talk to Otis Livingston. Okay, we now head to New York City and talk to Otis Livingston, sports director for WCBS in New York. Otis, really happy to have you on. Jets are probably one of the most intriguing teams this upcoming year in the NFL. Uh, let's start there, though. Vegas currently has them at nine and a half, second hardest season. What do you, let's take in the local perspective here. What, what do you think on that total? Do you think it's too much? It's too little? Aaron Rodgers is going to really change things, or he's not going to really be able to do that much just in his first year here? What do you, what do you think on this win total here? Well, I think that uh, he's going to definitely help those totals. Um, I believe that uh, last year the team went all the way down to the last couple weeks in playoff contention and uh, before they were kind of eliminated. But that was with a a terrible quarterback room with Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Magic Mike White. Um, They believe that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the difference this year. And uh, given upon, you know, not last year, but the two seasons before that, he was the MVP. So if he can get back to that, if they can, first of all, keep him upright, keep him healthy with the weapons that he has and the and the, the chemistry that they've been able to de- develop this far in the uh, preseason and, and before the regular season starts, um, it's going to go a long way in that team being really, really successful and possibly achieving the expectations that a lot of their fans have. Now, they haven't had a winning season since 2015. Defense was a big part of why they were able to even stay in the games last year. Did their defense really change a lot this year, or is it pretty much bringing everyone back that they had uh, last season? I feel like they brought pretty much everybody back, but what happened is that they, they have a, a year under their belt. You know, guys like Sauce, 
you know, is going to have a second year when he's coming off the defensive rookie of the year. You know, DJ Reed, another year in the in the system. Quentin Williams, a happy man now. You know, he wreaked havoc last year, but he got his contract this offseason uh, before things uh, got going here in, in the regular season. So uh, he's inspired to play. Uh, CJ Mosley, you know, they have some dogs back there. They have some guys that, you know, uh, can can create turnovers, which they didn't do for about a six-game span late in the season. And that kind of helped helped to lead to their demise last year. But I think that they have another year under their belt. I think that it's it's funny because I call it the Aaron Rodgers effect. The fact is that they believe if they can get offenses off the field and get the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, that they can win games a little more easily than they did last year. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure on this defense last year because of the quarterback play, because of the ineptitude of the offense so often last season that they felt like they had to kind of win the game themselves. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be complimentary football, offense, defense, special teams, uh, special teams does their job. Defense does their job. And then the offense doesn't come through and get the winning touchdowns or, or winning scores or run out the clock or whatever it is. So I feel like this team under another year of, of defense together, because like I said, they brought back the majority of that defense. Um, some really, really key pieces. Um, I think that they're going to, um, you know, I just feel like it's just going to be uh, – they're going to go up even a notch last year, uh, over last year when they were fourth in the league. Yeah, DJ, DJ Reed just came out this uh, past season. He said he's very confident in the 2023 defense. Uh, Quote-unquote here, I think we have a – I think we have the potential to be the best defense in the NFL. Honestly, I think we can be historical. Not just the best defense in the league, but I think we can be historical defense. Like the 85-86 Bears – in the Legion of Boom back in 2013. Uh, so he definitely thinks the defense is going to be show out too. Uh, offense, like you said, last year, offensively-wise, was the biggest setback the Jets had. And let me just ask you this question, I, and I already know the answer, and so do those listening. What do you think their record would have been last year if they had really a more competent offense, and even more in particular, uh, a more competent uh, just quarterback group? Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, when you have Zach Wilson doing what he did last year uh, and, and it, to the point where the number two overall pick in the draft just a season before that was benched late in the season. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that uh, it was comments about, you know, he was asked, do you feel like you guys let down the defense? And he said no. And I think that lost a lot of people in the, in the, in the, in the locker room. Um, you had guys that would go to bat for him. I'm in the locker room after every game, and they would never throw the offense under the bus, even though we all knew what, what department led to their demise, to their losses. Um, so those guys were, were constantly having their back. Um, and when he made that statement, it kind of lost the locker room for him and, and, and to the point where they had to bench him, uh, they had to deactivate him. And so seven and 10 last year, I think with competent quarterback play, now are we talking great quarterback play or are we just talking about competent? Because that was incompetent, that, that quarterback room that they had, you know, you got to see Mike White for a few games um, and his MO was always in his two seasons with the Jets uh, when he got to play uh, was to have a great first game. So, so second game injured third game out, you know, or something like that, that, that was kind of his MO. Then they had to go back to Joe Flacco, uh, Tack White, you know, back and forth. So competent play. I think they win two prop two more games from seven and 10 hmm. to like what, nine and nine and eight. Uh, but with really good quarterback play, 
and and a refreshed defense, they could have won four more games. They could have been like an eleven and six type team. So Aaron Rodgers this year, maybe a lot of people are thinking he might even be the MVP. Uh, so you you only think it's going to be a two game bump from last year. Uh, so you're going to take the under on that nine and a half then that Vegas is setting. No, no, no. I said would competent. They're expecting okay. him to be more than competent, Got right? It. So we're talking okay. eleven, twelve, Great, yeah. you know, in that in that area. Um, but again, let, let's face it it's it's about health, you know, with with this guy. It's, it's about that offensive line. If they're going to keep him upright, if they're going to keep him healthy, if they're going to protect him, you know, because we all go into the season with rose-colored glasses thinking if the best-case scenario, this is what they're going to do. So just like Tua down in Miami, when he was playing last year and he was not concussed and not injured, he was an MVP candidate. Miami was putting up historic numbers. You know, Waddle and Hill and, and all those guys were doing incredible things. But once he went down, you saw what happened. They still make the playoffs, but they could have really won that division had Tua been there that whole time playing the way that he was. So it's all about health. Um, I'm going to take the over with them. Um, but obviously, it's always going to be that caveat, you know. Um, and, and then it's also going to be if these guys play up to the back of their, their baseball card, so to speak, you know, um, at the end of the year, if they'll have their numbers, if they'll have their contribution, um, if they'll have their impact um, that we expect them or that they usually have. So if, if guys are playing to the back of the baseball card, then um, – they they should be able to go over that number to me. So the offensive line is a oh, go for it. Okay, so the <laughs> offensive line sounds like a concern for the Jets as well. So uh, how how big is a concern with the with the Jets O line? Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's come all the way down to the end of the preseason where they haven't figured out who they are going to play there. You know, Makai Becton made a a, a strong case for himself. Um, he's going to be a starter, you know, so it's just starting to round into, into shape. You really want that nailed down early in the camp so they can de- develop that chemistry, you know, because of all the units. That's the team that really has to work in unison. You know, you, you, may, you miss a block or you miss an assignment, you can get your quarterback really hurt. So um, that's been a big concern throughout this preseason. Um, it looks like they have it figured out which five they're going to go with in their rotation. And uh, again, that's going to be the big question. Makai Becton has been injured for the last couple of years, overweight at times, um, but he really played himself back into the favor of these coaches. And uh, if he can get back to the way he played his rookie year, then then the offense is going to be in a lot better shape. We never saw Dwayne Brown, we, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, who they have high hopes for. So that that whole chemistry aspect of it, which is so vitally important to a football team and to an organization, um, that has to continue to mature this last week. And they're going to be put to a big test on Monday night against the Buffalo Bills in the opener September 11th. Yeah, let's stay on the uh, offense for a little bit here. Loads of running backs in uh, on the Jets team. Obviously, Dalvin Kirk, uh, Dalvin Cook, excuse me, uh, Michael Carter, Brees Hall. He was injured last year. He comes back on. Uh, let's just talk about the running backs. How how important are the running backs going to be this year, especially just having up that you know having that beefed up running back room uh, heading into this season? Oh, they're going to be really really uh, important. You know, checkdowns for Aaron Rodgers, working out of the backfield, picking up blocks, uh, having an impact on the ground to complement that passing game because he's not going to be able to just rely on the passing game downfield. Um, I feel like you know uh, Dalvin Cook has. A number of serviceable years left. You know, he got caught up in that whole uh, running back 
contract, money, all those sorts of things that has impacted them this uh, offseason. So he's still a viable running back. Brees Hall coming back. They needed someone like that because Brees Hall is coming back from the ACL tear. Uh, to say that he's going to be able to play in week one is a miracle. Uh, so they needed someone that was going to be able to help them. They also have uh, uh, a rookie running back out of Pittsburgh, Izia Abanaconda. And so he's going to have an impact as well. Uh, I was I was a little surprised that they got rid of um, uh, uh, Bam Knight. He came in last mm-hmm. year and really had an impact after Brees Hall got hurt. So I was kind of surprised that that they got that they let him go. But looking at that running back room, I think they're capable of of having a solid season, making an impact. Like I said, out of the backfield, catching passes, getting downfield, making blocks, in the run game to help complement Aaron Rodgers in that downfield passing game. Um, is he the number one running back you would say right now? Uh, Dalvin Cook, did he take the spot as the number one running back? I know he was coming off a little bit of injury and he might, yeah. you know, it might affect his performance a little bit, but is he the clear number one going into the season? I don't, I don't think he's a clear number one. I think he's more of, uh, uh, Brees Hall's backup actually. And especially once he gets fully healthy and fully back, don't forget this guy was on his way to being the offensive rookie of the year early in the season last year before his uh, torn ACL, which eventually his, his teammate uh, Garrett Wilson was the uh, offensive rookie of the year. That was really uh, kind of, kind of impressive. You know, that, that draft by uh, uh, Joe Douglas was impressive as heck. If you look down the list, you got Brees Hall, you got uh, Garrett Wilson, you got uh, Sauce Gardner, you got Jermaine Johnson, you had the tight, tight end Jeremy Rucker. That was a, that was a bountiful, those guys all had an impact in that first year, especially Brees, because let's look back to when he was healthy early in the season. The talk about him, the buzz about him, the highlight reel plays that he was putting up there. If he can get back to that ASAP, you know, we, we're not going to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Coach Salas says they're not going to rush him. They're not going to overwork him and things like that. They're going to work him back in. So that's, again, why I say that it's it's it was a, a big pickup to get Dalvin Cook, who could be valuable not only with his production and his play on the field, but with his leadership in the locker room and the running back room, you know, this is about, this is a former all pro, you know, this is a guy that can give them a lot of wisdom. Uh, these all, all the rest of the running back room is very young, so he can give them some guidance. And uh, if Brees Hall was, did not get injured last year, he would be the clear cut number one. So that's why it's kind of, you know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. yeah. Dalvin's going to have an impact, but I don't believe that he's really the starter. I believe that's Brees Hall's job, but he's just not back 100%. So we'll see what happens on opening night. I want to Yeah. I want to circle back to Garrett Wilson. Uh, I don't want I don't want to state the obvious, but like you said, had a great year last year with a pretty bad quarterback. I mean, incompetent, you would say, and a lot of people would say as well, including me. Yeah. Uh like I said, not to state the obvious, but do you think he's going to have just a breakout year given that he's going to have a much more competent quarterback, Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball? Yeah, I think so. I believe so, because I got to talk to him in the preseason. And obviously, you can only go by interviews or when you talk to people, what they say, you know, but going by everyone who sees him in practice every day, he works hard. I asked him, uh, are you going to what are you going to do for an encore? Are you going to rest on your laurels of, of being the offensive rookie of you? No, he comes back. He's working hard. He says now it's time to prove that he can be one of the elite, not just in the rookie class, but elite group of wide receivers. So he's got the talent. He's got the speed. He can catch the ball. He's got the moves. He's got all that stuff. But on top of that, he's got the confidence. 
He's got the work ethic. Those things are key. A lot of guys that come into this, this league and have early success, they kind of rest on that for the rest of their career. And then before you know it, you know, you're in year six and seven and you haven't duplicated it, you know, so you're on your way out. But this guy, uh, along with Sauce Gardner on the other side of the football, Sauce is, is another guy who's really confident, who's got the skill, but who wants to be the best. And they know to be the best, you got to put in the work. You got to always be accountable. You got to be all, always counted on, and you always got to again put in the work and uh, and just continue to improve, not just rest. In your unbiased opinion, in the best way you can give an unbiased opinion, <laughs> is he the best cornerback um, in the game, Sauce Gardner, a defensive back? Uh, I think he's right there, man. I think he's right there. I think he is. Uh, yeah. I think he's, you know, what didn't he have last year? The pickoffs. He didn't have the number pick. He had pass deflections. He had, you know, break uh, breakups and all that, but he just didn't have the number of picks. Now, if he can improve on that number with the technique he has with, I mean, he had some, he had to go up against some really, really good wide receivers last year in a rookie year. I mean, and they're comparing that year to Darrell Rivas, who just went into the Hall of Fame. You know, that that's lofty expectations and 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 that that's high praise for a guy who's in his first year in the nfl so again with the work ethic with the desire to be number one he's a humble humble guy too he he talks and he has that swag but he's a humble guy and those are i'm telling you man joe douglas did a great job reshaping the roster since when since he got here you know uh, uh some of the guys were saying that he's been able to weed out some of the bad apples or some of the guys that aren't you know you got to be pulling in the same direction on the rope you know what i mean you yeah. can't have guys that are out there all about themselves and things like that so uh he's really done a good job of putting guys in there that want it that want to restore some kind of uh uh pride back to the jets organization like you we're said they're culture <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that they haven't been to the playoffs since 2000 and uh, what was that, 2010. So they need to really yep. revamp that. They need to really get that going. And, and, and they believe that, again, the Rodgers effect. They believe that Aaron Rodgers has affected everybody. Early on in training camp, I was walking around. And you could just see a pep in everybody else's step. You know what I mean? And it's all because of one guy. They believe that that was the deficiency last year, quarterback. And you went out and you got one of the best. You know what I mean? And he even came in with a great attitude. I'm not sure if you guys are watching the hard knocks and everything like that, but that appears to not be an act. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, uh, his final season in Green Bay, there was complaints about him and the receivers not having a connection, that he didn't uh, uh, link up with those guys in OTAs or in, in early in training camp. He, you know, kind of let them figure it out or whatever. Whatever the label was that they p placed on him, it wasn't good. I don't know if that was true or not, but I can tell you that if it was true, he took it to heart and changed. He came here. He was in OTAs. You saw him early on, you know, where after he was signed with the team, he was in there. He was taking these guys out to Knicks, Rangers playoff games. You know, I think they just went to the Broadway uh, musical MJ. You know, so he's really those sort of things are important because mm -hmm. it, it builds that chemistry. It builds that camaraderie, you know, now. Going to see MJ, is that going to make somebody want to block for him more? I'm not sure if that's the reason why, but it does build that camaraderie. You know, even even on hard knocks, you hear him say something like uh, to the other quarterbacks or to some of the other leaders on the team, link up with somebody. Go sit with somebody you haven't sat with before to talk to them, get to know their story. Because once you do all that kind of stuff, 
it just makes you a closer knit uh, unit. You know, um, he wore out his welcome there. He didn't want to be there. They didn't want him there. So this was a, a perfect marriage, an opportunity to win for him and to, again, restore some kind of winning culture, you know, to this Jets organization that only won one Super Bowl championship in its history. Now, I know you say the players are feeling the hype of Aaron Rodgers. I don't blame them. What about the fans? Are they are they buying the hype or are they, you know, like you said, they haven't been to the playoffs since 2010, haven't had a winning season since 2015. Are the fans believing in all the hype or are they more of like, we have to see this first before we can actually get too excited about anything? Man, I tell you what, it's, it's funny. You know, the same, same old Jets, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of these fans are, are a little skeptical, you know, because from the school of, we can't have nice things. You know, <laughs> we got the mm-hmm. quarterback. Now he's going to come here and he's probably going to lay a dud or he's probably going to get hurt early on like Vinny Testaverde did when he was here and they thought they had, you know, a high host for a Super Bowl then. Uh, so I think there's a number of, I think there's a lot of camps. I think there's a, a number of them that are leery, that are, you know, prove it to me. I'll wait until week 15 maybe to start believing the hype, you know, when they're, you know whatever their record is there. But there's a number of them that are, are really buying in. They feel like this is the time, you know, that uh, they've been knocking on the door, not recently, but that because of Joe Douglas, because of Robert Sala, because of the moves that they've made, because of the roster turnover, because of uh, it's time to, to shake that moniker, the same old Jets, that they really are buying in, that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a guy. Think about it. A couple years ago, we had Tom Brady leaving New England. A team that uh, an organization that he was the face of for for two two decades, a guy mm-hmm. who won so many titles down there. Now Rodgers hasn't won a lot of titles, but he's won a lot of MVPs in Green Bay. But uh, Brady goes down to Tampa; they win. So they're trying to draw that same parallel of this all-time great quarterback coming from Green Bay to New York, and they're going to win in the first year. Now I don't know if that's going to happen because there's some stiff competition out there. Uh, Kansas City, Buffalo, Miami, Cincinnati. Uh, it's just so that's just in the AFC, you know, at a number of teams. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think people are are really uh, buying in. They want a chance to stick their chests out and really believe that they have an opportunity to vie for it, not only the playoffs but a Super Bowl. How about Nathaniel Hackett? Speaking of the fans, uh, how do they feel about him? I mean, I know obviously he had a really, you know, he had a pretty bad showing in Denver. Got ousted yeah. in Denver. After are fans one, like yeah. upset by the hiring? No, I don't think they're upset about it because don't forget, this is Aaron Rodgers' guy. This is True. the guy he won two, uh, two uh, MVPs with, you know? So if you connect the dots in the games that the Jet fans are playing, hey, these two back together, he's not a good head coach. There's some guys that just aren't a head coach. They're better as coordinators. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett is that. Maybe he was in an untenable situation in Denver where there were some calls that he made that were uh, questioned. Uh, or, or, or frowned upon or something like that. But overall, he may just not be a good head coach. There's a lot of responsibility that goes into being a head coach, delegating responsibility, being an overseer on both sides of the ball. When your expertise is defense or is offense, then you need to get back to that and do what's in your wheelhouse. So uh, not only with Nathaniel Hackett, but with Randall Cobb, Lazard, and all the other guys that made the move from Green Bay along with Aaron Rodgers, that breeds comfortability you know they're able to spread Aaron's way of doing things and Nathaniel Hackett's way of doing things one of the key uh segments in the uh hard knocks episode was when Randall Cobb gave it gave it to him straight no chaser and said listen if you're dropping passes Aaron's not gonna trust you 
he's not going to throw the ball to you. I mean, that's spreading that's spreading the word. Like, listen, guys, we got to clean this stuff up if you want to be able to be a target and a viable weapon on this offense. And, and we're going to be able to uh, not only live up to expectations, but exceed them. So I think there's a comfortability factor. I think his track record as a as an offensive coordinator speaks for itself. So I think Jeff fans are, again, connecting the dots, uh, putting the puzzle together and thinking that this is a good hire. Well, Otis, five primetime games this uh, season for the Jets. Starting Maybe more. next Monday. Maybe more. Hey, because, you know, yeah. the flex later on in the season if there's important games and stuff like that. So it could be even more, which is unheard of here. That's, that's crazy, 14? man. After huh? week 14, right? After week yeah. 14, you yeah. can flex, I think it yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah, I think, it's, okay. I think it's 14, yeah. Well, it starts Monday night, September 11th, uh, just a, a little less than a week from, from today than when we're recording. So against the Bills, what do you think about that game? Just give me a – before we head out here, give me a, a little predict, prediction for that game. Do you think the Jets have a chance or do you think it's going to – the Bills are going to come out uh, win their opener? Uh, I think the Jets definitely have a chance. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, um, yeah. that that's the nature of football. You know, in any on any given Sunday, well, on it's Monday, they have an opportunity. Um, they beat them last year one time. And again – you can't um, – we can't understate the value of a good quarterback, man. The, the Bills have one and Josh Allen, MVP candidate. The Jets have one and Aaron Rodgers, man. They're going to go toe-to-toe. Um, and I think that uh, with the weapons that the Jets have, you know, it, it would be a great coming-out party for them if they can get that win and kind of set a tone for the season. If they can compete, on the other hand, play well, maybe losing in the last second or whatever it is, don't forget it's their home opener. It's the first game. It's September 11th. There's going to be a lot of emotion in the house. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers' first game, uh, he played in that preseason game against the Giants at MetLife Stadium, but that was a giant home game. It was a preseason game. He didn't play that long. This is going to be, you know, they're going to raise the curtain uh, on opening night, man. So, And it's going to be prime time. It's, it's going to be exciting, man, and I can't wait. I'm going to be there. I travel with the team um, throughout the year, and I cover all their home games as well. So I'm looking forward to an exciting season. It can obviously go off the rails if, if things don't go well with the high expectations, and then we're back to the same old Jets, and we can't have nice things and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if it if it goes well, man, and they're competing and they're they're in the playoffs, you know, there's no, no place like New York in the postseason, whereas the Yankees, Mets – uh, Giants, Jets, whatever. It's it's an exciting time. So th- those are the expectations. Those are the hopes. So we'll see what happens, man. But I, I think they definitely have a chance on Monday night. All right. Well, we'll see. A uh, lot of things for uh, Jets fans to be excited about, Otis. I know yeah. you're excited. I'm yeah. excited for them. As t- I'm excited for them as well. Yeah. Uh, me and Justin both actually are Eagles fans. So different, okay. different conf- different conference. So it's uh, yeah. they can. They can do as good as they want to. We don't really care. It's not going to really bother us that much. So, but <laughs> I used to work down in uh, Philadelphia. Actually, I covered them when uh, Ray Rhodes was the head coach okay. um, for for two okay. years. So I had I did the Ray Rhodes show. I was down there when Allen Iverson was there. Uh, yeah, there, there was, what a it, time it was to be there too. Oh man, it was it was so exciting. You know what I mean? Um, the football team was just starting to really get back to being good. Um, I think Andy Reid obviously took it to the next level. I left right before him, but my old high school, I'm at my old college basketball coach, Larry Brown, was was down there in Philadelphia with Allen Iverson. So that was definitely a, an exciting time. And that was right right before, a couple of years before they went to the NBA Finals against the Lakers. So, uh, yeah, right. it's, a, it's a great sports town. The fans are passionate about it. 
Sometimes they go a little overboard, but uh, you know, get that. You know, that's that's what they call a fan, a fanatic. You know, at times, just as long as you don't let it go overboard. You were used to uh, that kind of fan base, though, when you moved to New York. Very similar, New York and Philly. I, I can only, I mean, I never really been to New York. Never lived there myself, but I can only imagine the fan bases are very similar compared to. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. But but I mean, if yeah. you look at, at championships, it, it's it's seen as such a, a great town. Outside of the Yankees, it's not like a whole lot of just, con, you know, consistent winning. You know what I mean? The, the mm-hmm. nine to four, you know, Eli won two. Uh, Rangers has been a while. You know, it's just, it, but they're always in the mix. You know what I mean? And New York is the number one market. And so a lot of attention is drawn here. And I think that was a key reason why Aaron Rodgers wanted to come here. Not only was because he saw that team last year up close to personal when, they, when the Jets beat them in Green Bay. So he knew what was on this side. He wanted to join a team that had an opportunity to to win a, a a Super Bowl, and maybe it was a quarterback away, and that's it fit the bill right here. Yeah, you mentioned the Yankees. Even the Yankees haven't had success uh, recently. I mean, I know you're talking about like long term success, but yeah, even, yeah. like short term success, even the Yankees have been struggling. <laughs> so yeah, it got hey, to the, even they, the Jets. We'll yeah, that, 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 you know? that's what people that's what people are hoping. Yeah, yeah Yankees haven't won so. anything since 2009, which is a, an eternity in Yankee land, you know, mm-hmm. um, and right now they're going through some tough. But silver lining is they brought up some young guys from the minors and, and those guys are playing well so far, showing what uh, giving them a glimpse into the future of guys that can be able to contribute. Um, they trotted out a lot of guys this year that just were inept. Again, going back to the back of the baseball card when this season is over. Those numbers are not going to look like previous years because they did not achieve what they normally do. So that was a, but they have some, some high hopes on the horizon with these guys that are performing right now. All right. Well, like, like we said, uh, Jets will be the ones turning it around. Hopefully a lot of things to look forward to with that team. <laughs> New York and Liberty are pretty good up. too. <laughs> yeah. That's true. They're yeah. the number two team in the That's WNBA. They might win a title this year. That might be the first title in uh, since the Yankees or whatever, or or uh, the Giants, I guess, 2011. Since the Giants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, have, you have enough teams to have a chance, right? I mean, you have – New York has two teams in almost every – Sport. And, I mean, is and three in hockey. And three in hockey. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So they have a what, so have, what was that nine? You know, nine. You have enough of a sample mm-hmm. size. Enough, enough choices or yeah. enough chances to win. You know, championships go uh, in yep. New York. There. You, so you are, you are correct. Yeah. All right, Otis. This has been awesome, man. Really appreciate your time. Have to do this yeah. again sometime. Have yeah. to, have to have it on again. Okay. No, no doubt. Keep me in your Rolodex or uh, keep me in your chat or whatever oh. you got to do. <laughs> we, de- we, we definitely will, man. We definitely will. Right. We'll do this again sometime soon, okay? All right. Take care, guys. All right. All thanks, right. Otis. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. That interview was brought to you by Philly Drinkers. The Continental Sports Podcast has partnered with Philly Drinkers, the go-to place for the greatest sports clothing that you can get your hands on. They specialize in partying hard and looking great while doing it. Owned and operated by diehard sports fans, they don't just love sports. They love what sports stand for. Most importantly, they understand that you always want to rep your favorite team anywhere you go, whether it be a sporting event or grabbing a couple of drinks with the guys. Their apparel and products always have unique designs and slogans, all while bringing out great vibes. Head to phillydrinkers.com today and get your one-of-a-kind merchandise. Philly Drinkers, always party. Okay, let's finish up the show with Complaintives of the Week. Zach, who is your Complaintives of the Week? 
Uh, my complaint, let's go back to the U.S. Open and let's talk about these protesters, shall we? They delayed that match last night for 49 minutes to make a statement about climate change. Like, first, take your political crap somewhere else. Second of all, if you want people to take you seriously, don't glue yourself to the floor for 50 minutes. Nobody gets your message after doing that. They just think you look like an idiot. And that's exactly what happened. And these people are now banned from the U.S. Open, as they should be. And that was a disgrace to make those players have to wait 49 freaking minutes because you wanted to make your own political statement. Well, yeah, you made a statement, buddy. Your statement was, I'm a dumbass, so I'm going out there and I'm just going to make a fool out of myself. Like, come on. Yeah, I saw the pictures. He uh, took off, you know, obviously he took off his shoes and just glued his feet to the to the cement, which I don't even, what kind I don't of glue, get that. What, can, what like, glue what? can even do that? Like, what glue can even be so strong that you can't get pulled off of cement? From like, why would skin? you want to glue yourself in general? Like, you can't move. What if you have get, to, you know, go to the bathroom? I get the point. I mean, they can't, they can't remove them, obviously. That and that was his point of doing it. But I, what I'm still confused about is I don't know what glue can be strong enough to glue someone to cement without, you know, you know, 250 pound security guards being able to lift him off. I don't know <laughs> what is even out there to be able to do that. That's what I was so surprised about. But I know super hey. glue is strong, but not that strong. <laughs> What is that? What is that? Um, what's the stuff that's the, on the infomercial all the time? Um, uh, not, um, I, for, I forget, but it's like they make a boat out of it or something. Or Yeah, I know I what you're even, talking about. I don't even know, but that maybe that's what it was. My complaint of the week, uh, going back to a little bit earlier with the Chiefs, people kind of overreacting about the Chiefs' loss. Uh, they had a bad game. Good teams, a lot of have bad games. Uh, Jadaris, uh, uh Excuse me, Tony, not going to have as bad of a game as he always does. Uh, he could not play worse than he did last night. Travis Kelsey didn't play last night. Chris Jones still holding out. Uh, yeah, good teams, had bad games. Chiefs, still a Super Bowl caliber team. No reason to overreact. They'll be back. They'll be. Uh, they'll write the ship uh, next week and uh, throughout the season. And Yeah, that's my, that's my complaint of the week is people kind of overreacting about the game and saying the Chiefs uh, are not as good as they were last year. Which, if we all remember, people were saying about the Chiefs uh, last season as well. Uh, prior to the season, they said that the Chiefs were kind of not going to be as good uh, as they were the year before. We all saw how that turned out. Okay, guys. Great show. Um, going to three times a week next week. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, we'll be uh, posting. Super excited for that. Uh, next week, we have a guy uh, from Baltimore. Some you know some other great interviews coming up as well uh so stick around for that great stuff coming out uh next week but until then we'll see you all then and keep on traveling Think you're ready.